Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Up and at him. Producer Joe, good to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, folks, I, I, I hadn't said anything uh, earlier, but uh, because you're my audience, you matter to me more than anything. I'll let you in on uh, a, a nice little... Uh, Little secret I've been holding. So I'll be broadcasting next week, putting the show on from uh, Vietnam, from Hanoi. Uh, I'll be going over with the Fox News team over to cover President Trump's summit, uh, second summit with uh, with Kim. So that should be interesting. Uh, we will not miss any shows. Uh, you know, it'd, it'd be fascinating, Joe, because I will be recording the show uh, on the exact opposite uh, time, the exact opposite side of the earth uh, from <laughs> Eastern time where I am in Florida. So whereas I typically record at 10 a.m. Eastern and it's up about a half an hour, 45 minutes uh, after we're done, uh, I will be recording um, at night, which will be fascinating considering Joe and I almost never do that with the exception of a few episodes yeah, we taped. So <laughs> one quick thing on this, though. I've told this story before, having traveled quite extensively with the uh, Secret Service. You know, so it is a 12-hour time change, which is the worst <laughs> time change you can get. And Joe always finds the story funny because when I was in the Secret Service one time, I was talking to this guy who shall remain nameless, and he didn't understand the difference between a time change and a time difference. So he kept trying to make the case to me that a 15-hour time difference is, is worse on the body than a 12-hour time change. And I was trying to tell him, I'm like, brother, that's not the way a time change works. When you go to the opposite side of the earth, Indonesia, Vietnam, Southeast Asia, and you're over there, what, what, once you start coming back in the other direction, it it's like saying there's a 24-hour time change. He was trying to make the case to me that a 15-hour time difference, which is really, when you think about it, a nine-hour time change because you're going in the other direction. You're coming back home. So I made the joke to him, like, that's like saying it was the worst time change ever. It was a 24-hour time change. <laughs> no, that's the same time. Oh, Joe always loves oh, that story. Love, yeah, I do. So, yeah, it's just going to be a, a little rough, but don't miss the shows next week. All right, I got a lot to get to today, um, including some new revelations by um, by Sarah Carter about the, the abomination that occurred in the Hillary Clinton campaign and McCabe stepping on his own mm, again. Oh. This guy cannot get out of his own way. So let's get to that. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at FilterBuy. Folks, listen, I, I know air filters aren't the uh, most exciting thing in the world to talk about, but you better change them because they're one of the most important things in your life. Think about your lungs. You're breathing in air in your house. You're spending upwards of 80, 90% of your time, if you're like me and you work out of an office in the house, indoors. You want to be breathing into your body polluted, gross air? No, you got to change your air filters. Everybody knows that. With the temperatures dropping to dangerously low levels, our friends at FilterBuy want to offer you some tips to protect your family. Be mindful of outside heating units. Failure in the outside unit kicks up the uh, electric heating inside. And homeowners may not realize it till there's a failure and the electric bill comes in hundreds of dollars more. Second, make sure you have a working carbon monoxide detector in case of any cracks in the heating exchange. Finally, the easiest thing a homeowner can do is make sure their air filter is clean. Check those air filters. Check it regularly to prevent heating units from working harder than they already are. This is why I trust and I use and I sponsor FilterBuy. On, you let them sponsor the show because I love FilterBuy. It's a great company. They're America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They have 600 different sizes, custom options included. They can fix them right up for you. Um, they'll ship free within 24 hours and they manufacture all their filters right here in America. Save time, save money, stay warm. Go to filterby.com. That's filterby.com. Filter B U Y. 
com. Make sure to tell them we sent you the Dan Bongino Show. Okay. Um, let's start first with a stunning story by Sarah Carter at sarahcarter.com. I have up in the show notes uh, at bongino.com. If you subscribe to my email list, I will send them right to your email box. The story, the uh, lead in the story is that lead FBI lawyer, one of the top FBI lawyers, Jim Baker, uh, who had wielded immense power inside the FBI, believed up until the end and still believes today that Hillary Clinton, in fact, committed crimes. Ladies and gentlemen, now, while this may not be a major revelation to you and I, oh, no kidding, with the private email server, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, may have committed crimes with classified information. We all know that. That's not the lead here. The lead is that the FBI, including Jim Comey, the director who gave that July speech where he basically exonerates Hillary Clinton, taking on the role of a prosecutor, Joe, not an investigator. Mm -hmm. Remember, as powerful as Jim Comey was as the director of the FBI, this is a critical distinction you all have to understand. Jim Comey is not a prosecutor. He is the head of an an investigatory body, the FBI. He has no prosecutorial discretion whatsoever. That is left to the Department of Justice and the United States Attorneys. Jim Comey gives that speech on July 5th and basically usurps the power of the Department of Justice, which mm-hmm. was one of the reasons he was fired in that July 5th speech where he lays out all of these crimes Hillary Clinton committed and then proceeds to say, but no reasonable prosecutor would would uh, would charge Hillary Clinton. That's not his job. The lead here, of course, is that his right-hand guy, Jim Baker, who was this higher-up lawyer in the FBI with immense power, had already come to the conclusion himself that Hillary Clinton had, in fact, committed crimes. Mm. In other words, there was sincere, serious disagreement at the upper echelons of the FBI that indicate to me that some that there was polit- obvious political sway used to make this case go away. Let me read from the Sarah Carter piece because it's damning. Former FBI General Counsel James Baker originally believed Hillary Clinton's mishandling of highly classified information was alarming and appalling. At the time, he believed her use of a private server to send the emails was sufficient enough. This is the lawyer in the FBI Mm -hmm. to secure an indictment to possibly charge her for violations under the Espionage Act for mishandling sensitive documents. Baker held on to that belief until shortly before Jim Comey made the public announcement not to charge Clinton on July 5th. This is important, folks. He said he changed his position only after arguing and discussing the situation over a period of time with senior colleagues at the Bureau to include Comey. Comey clearly is being influenced by political, political. This is the lawyer. Joe, you see where I'm going with this? Baker's the lawyer. Comey is a politically appointed FBI director. The lawyer at the FBI you would think you would take legal advice for is convinced that Hillary Clinton violated the Espionage Act. Mm -hmm. And Comey seemingly disregarding him. But it gets better in the piece. Here, this is is the second big takeaway. So takeaway number one, the FBI lawyer at the upper echelons of the FBI believes legally Hillary Clinton committed crimes and he's being ignored. By an FBI director who is a political appointee who clearly has leanings um, for uh, Mrs. Clinton at this point. Right. He says, Baker, well, if it was the statutes we were considering at the time, said Baker, it was the nature and scope of the classified information that to me, initially, when I looked at it, I thought these folks should know that this stuff is classified. And it was alarming what they were talking about, especially some of the most highly classified stuff. <laughs> folks. What have I told you about this case from the beginning? 
Jim Baker, FBI lawyer, is now on the record indicating that he has a binder of Hillary Clinton's emails and he's looking at and he is alarmed that some of this stuff is highly and deeply classified. Now, what is missing from this conversation? Joe, in the July 5th speech Jim Comey gives, follow mm-hmm. me here, where he mm-hmm. exonerates Hillary Clinton and he takes on the role of a prosecutor, not an investigator. Yeah. He usurps the power of the DOJ. I, as an investigator in the Secret Service, bring a case to a United States attorney if they decline prosecution, not me. I have no role in that at all. They say, mm-hmm. we'll take this case or we won't. After Comey does that in the speech and says at the end, we're, you know, no reasonable prosecutor would prosecute, taking on the role of the DOJ. In that July 5th speech, we now have multiple versions of that speech that were written in May, where there were deletions and additions made. What were one of the key deletions made from that? Follow me, folks. This is a critical point here. Why this story is so devastating. Baker seems to indicate he's seen something in those emails that is very, very alarming and dangerous. In one of the initial versions of the speech, Jim Comey puts in the speech that Hillary Clinton emailed the president of the United States on a private email from a foreign country, indicating what, Joe? That a foreign actor who may have had access to Hillary's emails, could have been reading emails between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Joe, just a quick question. You were not a federal investigator, right? No, I'm not, Dan. But Joe's a very smart guy, uh, one of my trusted confidants. Do you think an email from Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, to Barack Obama may contain some particularly dangerous information if it got out there in the public? I'm just throwing that out there for you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think so, Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. He does I think make so. Sure. Joe, thanks for getting that out you there. We appreciate it, it. See, Joe's a smart guy. He gets it. We rely on him as the audience <laughs> ombudsman. In an initial version of that speech that was in there, that Hillary had emailed Barack Obama, that was taken out and revised in a later version of the speech to include Hillary Clinton emailing a senior government official. Another version of that speech is then revised to wipe out any reference to Obama, a senior government official, at all. This says to me that Baker is not one of the good guys, this FBI lawyer, but that Baker was likely telling Comey at the time, because they knew about the emails to Obama, that Baker's clearly looking at, and is Joe alarmed by, Mm -hmm. that he's telling Comey, Houston, we got a problem here. We got a serious problem. She's emailing Obama. Obama has already said in interviews on television, Joe, that he didn't know about Hillary's personal email and that he, quote, found out about it from the media. Now, Joe, I email you every day. (laughs) Yes. Joe, you have three of my email addresses, right? Yes, I do. You know all three of them. I believe Because I've emailed Joe from all three. Yes, you have. He could probably recite them on the air right now. But I won't. We have a public one that goes out. (laughs) Thank you. I know Joe's email, too. Yeah. And it's not what you think. Joe has two emails. I know each other. How do I know that? Because Joe and I email each other. Yeah. Do you understand how Barack Obama, the reason Baker and Comey were freaking out was probably to protect Clinton, but most importantly, to protect Barack Obama, the man they were loyal to? Mm -hmm. Because Barack Obama, Joe, then becomes a witness in the case against Hillary Clinton's private email. Yeah. He was a co-conspirator in it. He was getting emails from her. His, his, he is clearly not telling the truth that he didn't know about Hillary's personal email because he is getting emails from Hillary Clinton's personal email. 
Now, why is, I, let me give you the leftist response to this because I like to stay ahead of the news curve here and I like to give you the ammunition you need for a good intellectual back and forth with your liberal police state buddies. They'll argue this. Well, you know, even though Hillary was using her private email to email Obama, that doesn't mean he actually saw the email address. It could have just been loaded into his phone. No, no, no. Here's what you don't understand. And maybe my perspective here, having worked inside the White House a bit, will will assist a little bit. Barack Obama had a personal BlackBerry. Trump uh, probably has a personal device as well. There is a branch of the military, Waka. Remember like Fozzie Bear from the Muppets? Waka, Waka, Waka. Remember that? (laughs) But it stands for White House Communications Agency. They're really, they're great. The military runs a White House Communications Agency. And what they do in conjunction with the Secret Service, Technical Security Division, and others is they determine how the president's going to communicate. Now, I mean, I'm not going to get into a lot of the details, but trust me when I tell you, the president doesn't just randomly pick up an unsecured cell phone and start talking to a leader from China about trade policy. That's not the way it works. But proving to you that higher-ups in the Obama team had to know about Hillary's email on that personal BlackBerry Obama had, Waka had to make sure that the emails coming in were all pre-approved from pre-approved email addresses. Now, Joe, why would that be? Well, think it through for very common sense reasons. If Obama has a personal BlackBerry, you don't want Obama getting spam emails, Trojan, you know, Trojan emails and all kinds of phishing emails with a PH from unsecured email. Joey Bag of Donuts at BagofDonuts.com. Obama, you can't have that. So on Obama's device, Joe... Mm -hmm. Email addresses had to be pre-approved. Meaning what? For Hillary Clinton to have gotten that email through to Obama's device on a personal non-government email, it had to be blacklisted. Excuse me, whitelisted. Right, right, right. It had to stay off the blacklist. Uh Uh-huh. Don't use anything from this domain, from that domain. Hillary Clinton's email had to be whitelisted, had to be approved. And that approval, sure, surely Obama knew about. Yeah. Now you, the, the plausible deniability is gone. First you say, well, he didn't read the email address. He didn't? What, Obama's not stupid, folks. I'm sorry. He's not. We disagree with his policy, but he wasn't dumb. He got passed through Congress some of the most devastating legislation in modern American history. You can't be an idiot to do that. Are you telling me, number one, he never read the email address as he was reading it from Hillary? He just didn't notice that it was a Clinton.whatever email, not a state.gov email? That he didn't notice that? And then you're telling me, too, that people in his staff just randomly whitelisted Hillary's private email so he could get through to him on his BlackBerry and nobody told Obama? Folks, again, this deny, this is, this refutes any plausible deniability. You'd have to believe Obama was an idiot, and I don't believe that. This Baker story Sarah Carter has up is very good and indicates that Baker knows exactly what I'm telling you. So the takeaways again, the FBI knew Hillary was guilty. The lawyer at the FBI knew Hillary was guilty. They, she was guilty, but Obama was, had a role in this because he was one of the people getting the emails. 
And clearly, that email had been pre-approved. In other words, people at the White House knew about Hillary's email, despite Hillary, uh, Barack Obama's denials that he knew anything about it and he learned about it from the press. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie. Now, I want to just add on this story. Because nothing they're telling you right now is true. The media is in a full-blown Pravda-like effort to propagandize and gaslight you. Nothing they're telling you right now is true. I'm I'm genuinely sorry that you're forced to come here and in other places and people you can trust exclusively for the news. I mean that. I love that you listen to my show, but it does us all no good that you can't just casually turn on a news station and get the truth and verify what I'm telling you. But you are being lied to. Whether you're being lied to, as I covered yesterday, about the breaking news that Andy McKay briefed Congress, despite the fact that I already read to you a snippet from the New York Times from back in May that they briefed Congress. I already told you that. Here's the, here it is again. Andrew McCabe were briefing the leaders of the Senate and the House and the heads of the Congressional Intelligence Committees. The lawmakers said nothing afterwards. The New York Times already reported this story back in May. There's nothing new here. Everything you're being told is a lie. That Hillary Clinton's email story was a nothing burger. It was a huge story. Foreign actors had hacked her email system and were likely reading communications between her and the president of the United States who lied about knowing about the existence of her private email. Baker knew it. The FBI knew it. Jim Comey knew it. And they covered it up. Now, here's this interesting fork in the road here to show you that effectively the Department of Justice and FBI uh, at the upper levels have been entirely compromised. Folks, I'm sorry. They were compromised. Their actions during the shift from the Hillary email investigation and the sidelining of it and the covering up of it to an active investigation of the Trump team for no crimes at all, for phantom made-up crimes generated by a fake dossier, is the biggest scandal in American history. But I bring up this Baker story because in light of what happened with McCabe and all the new stuff we're finding out, don't you find this interesting, Joe, that the lead lawyer in the FBI believed Clinton should be charged Mm -hmm. And despite mounds of evidence that she was, in fact, guilty of exchanging classified information Mm -hmm. knowingly over a private service she was unauthorized to have, Hillary Clinton and her entire team have skated. Yet, on the other hand, despite anti-evidence, in other words, evidence to the contrary, that the Trump team is guilty of anything, anything at all, obstruction or collusion, This investigation continues to this day into the Trump team, almost unabated whatsoever. Mueller has become the most powerful man in America, investigating an obstruction crime that never happened. This is important. I want to pile on a bit. Yesterday, I covered the shift. They are going to shift now from from collusion, which is gone. It's over. They don't have anything on collusion. That's over. They are going to shift now to obstruction, and McCabe is going to play a key role in this as the new left-wing media darling, as the deputy and at one point acting director of the FBI who was there while Trump allegedly tried to obstruct the investigation. Keep in mind the lead here. Hard evidence against Clinton. The FBI knew about, including their lawyer. They sideline that. They make that case go away while they move on the Trump team on a phantom collusion charge And now an obstruction charge for obstruction that never existed. You tracking me, Joe? What a tangled web we weave, brother. (laughs) This is the 
the complete collapse of impartiality in our Department of Justice and the FBI. The guy's on the record acknowledging Hillary's guilty. Yeah. And they completely sidelined the case. Nobody gets arrested, no special counsel, nothing. And they move on Trump on a fake dossier, and now they're moving on obstruction. Now, I made the point yesterday, and it's important to bring this up again, that McCabe has already acknowledged to Rubio when he, after Jim Comey was fired, keep in mind, mm-hmm. the obstruction case against Trump is, is singly based on this McCabe testimony that, at least to the, I shouldn't say testimony, but comments to the media that after Jim Comey was fired, Donald Trump and his team made an effort to obstruct the investigation. As I said to you yesterday, that is not what Andrew McCabe said on the record. After Comey was fired on the 9th of May, 2017, McCabe goes up to the Hill on the 11th of May, 2017, and tells Senator Rubio that, quote, there's no effort to obstruct his investigation. None. Folks, McCabe was either lying then under oath or he's lying now where he's saying the opposite. Joe, this isn't hard to follow. No. Now, you may say, okay, Dan, what's new here? You made that point yesterday that McCabe has already said on the record that there were no efforts, efforts to obstruct. Mm-hmm. I want to double down, folks. Mm-hmm. Not only was there no effort to obstruct the investigation, according to McCabe's own sworn testimony, but President Trump himself, before he fired Jim Comey, actually asked Jim Comey himself to look into any potential collusion on his own team. Listen to what I just told you. Again, this is not evidence of obstruction. It is anti-evidence. It is evidence of obstruction on behalf of McCabe and Comey of the truth. McCabe has already said there's no obstruction on the record. You don't believe me? This is from a Politico piece. A Politico, otherwise known as Bolnico, (laughs) rhymes with hit. Politico, a left-leaning rag I can't stand. A Politico piece of a documented by Jim Comey, not by Trump. A documented conversation Mm -hmm. Jim Comey had with Donald Trump, President Trump, in his office. Listen specifically to what President Trump, who's Jim Comey's boss, he's the President of the United States. Comey works for Trump, not the other way around. What Trump tells Comey about the Russia investigation, and I want you as a sane, rational person listening to this show, and hopefully your liberal friends too, to tell me how this quote indicates any... Any level whatsoever, any level whatsoever of obstruction. We need to get the facts out. Comey said Trump repeatedly told him. The fact was that Trump was not personally under investigation. Listen to this, folks. This is from Comey. The president went on to say that if there were some, quote, satellite associates of his who did something wrong, it would be good to find that out but that he hadn't done anything wrong and hoped I would find a way to get it out that we weren't investigating him. Do you understand how damaging this quote is to a false obstruction narrative? And I'm going to, ladies and gentlemen, I'll bring up in a minute why this obstruction narrative is important. I'm not, it's not going anywhere. I got to just circle this so I don't forget where I am. Because this is important. I'm laying this out very sequentially and chronologically here for you and the show for a reason. The obstruction narrative is all they have left. They have a problem now. 
They need obstruction for impeachment because they don't have an actual collusion crime. Collusion is dead. It was dead the minute it started. It was always fake. There is no evidence of collusion. That is dead. They have moved on to obstruction. The problem they have with obstruction is they're on the record. McCabe saying it didn't happen. And now we have on the record statements from Comey himself indicating that not only did President Trump, Joe, not order Comey to shut down the Russia investigation, Mm -hmm. but actually told him to find out if any of his satellites, in other words, anyone who had worked with him, had actually colluded with Russians. You see that the quote is right here. The president went on to say that if there were some satellite associates of his who did something wrong, it'd be a good idea to find that out. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand how pathetic and weak and actually grotesque and disgusting this obstruction lie is? The president is unobstructing the case. He's asking Comey, if anyone around me in my satellite here was guilty of this, go find it out. And they still haven't. Oh, but Manafort wasn't that. None of this was for collusion. None. There has not been a collusion-related charge anywhere in this case ever by Mueller. Ever. There is simply no evidence. Folks, they need this. This is all the Democrats have. All they have. They need... All right, listen. Let me do this because this is going to take a while. All right. Let me get to this read here quick. And I want to explain to you why this is so devastating and why they're in a panic right now and why they need McCabe. All right. uh, Today's show brought to you by our buddies at BattleBox, the coolest uh, subscription (laughs) box you're ever going to get. I opened my box. I got out my scissors, cut the box open. It was like me being a kid at Christmas. Most subscription boxes are full of samples and junk you'll never use. Not BattleBox. This is high-quality, top-end stuff, folks. It's the monthly subscription box for men full of solid gear for adventure seekers, survivalists, and outdoor enthusiasts. This, there's no, this stuff is, I got a really super high-quality knife alone that was probably worth the amount I, uh, I got the, the whole subscription box would have been worth. It was amazing. It's really great. BattleBox is your monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. They introduce you to the best products, new gear, and innovative companies at a much lower cost than if you were to buy them individually. Again, this is high-quality, top-notch stuff. I got a um, sleeping bag rated to like 7,000 degrees below zero in mine, a high-quality knife, trying to think, a water filtration kit. It was really, really good stuff. I looked up the prices, and they're right. Uh, plus, who doesn't like to get a package full of mystery adventure gear? Go to Try Battle Box. Now, this is, I want to be clear, battle with no E. It's Try Battle Box, B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X. TryBattleBox.com slash Dan and pick the box you want. They start at just $25 per month. Plus, they release a video for each new box so you can see what's coming and how to use it. They've shipped over a half a million boxes and they won the best men's subscription box of 2017. Sign up today and be ready for anything. Go to TryBattleBox.com slash Dan. TryBattleBox.com slash Dan. You open that box, you'll thank me for it. I'll wait for your emails after you get your first box. It's super cool. Uh, right now, our listeners get a free tactical knife when you sign up for your first battle box. Again, at TryBattleBox.com slash Dan. Right now, get your first battle box uh, plus a free tactical knife at TryBattleBox.com slash Dan. Sorry, I forgot that last part there. Um, folks, they need obstruction. 
they are hanging on like a, a hangnail, barely hanging on here. And, and and the nail clipper is the fact that there's no evidence. McCabe's statements, Comey's statements here, that the president wanted to get out on the record what had happened here and wanted his, his, own, wanted his satellites investigated is going to completely knock down the obstruction charge. So what you should be asking right now, and I know many of you are because my audience is very bright, You're probably saying to yourself, then why are they continuing to go down this Trump obstructed justice road, Dan, if McCabe's admitted already on the record he hasn't and Comey's statements indicate that not only Trump not obstruct justice, he demanded justice because, folks, they are desperate for impeachment. The left wing and the radical leftists in Congress and the rhino sellout frauds, of which, sadly, there are many up on Capitol Hill, have already quietly promised a lot of their donors uh, their, their, their moneyed interests and their volunteers that they were going to get Trump out of office. They, I believe this, folks. They honestly believed that there was, if not collusion, Joe, that Trump was so corrupt that it was going to be so easy once they started a special counsel to bring down Trump on something mm-hmm. that I believe they're shell-shocked now that they have absolutely nothing. So they had a fabricated charge, a fabricated collusion that was debunked, and now they're fabricating this obstruction charge. Why is that? Because in articles of impeachment, which the House would have to draw up, folks, it's going to work like a trial. That trial would happen in the Senate, overseen by the Chief Justice's Supreme Court. At some point, ladies and gentlemen, the Republicans or whoever the um, or whoever the, uh, the, the they they choose in that in the uh, in the House to represent them on that as kind of like lawyers in the Senate trial. Follow me, Joe. Mm-hmm. Are going to get to present counter evidence. The Democrats don't have anything. They simply don't have any. Think about going to trial, Joe, how devastating it would be with a, a skilled law, uh, a judge at the top of the bench. Not a huge fan of Roberts, but he's not stupid. Right. Um, if you bring evidence in the court and, and, and the evidence is they don't have anything. They need something. So they keep hammering down on this obstruction charge because it's all they have left. They don't have evidence of anything else. They'll be laughed out of the place. They need this stuff for impeachment. Now, why am I bringing this up today? Follow the order of the show. It's important. Because mm-hmm. yesterday, um, other some media outlets broke the story that Mueller is apparently getting ready to wrap up the case, and we may know as soon as next week. I doubt they'll issue a report while President Trump is in Vietnam. That would be a low blow, um, not giving him the immediate opportunity to respond on a different time, uh, you know, time scale. Uh, excuse me, time, uh, you know, or overseas and everything. You mm-hmm. get the point. Now, wh- that's critical, folks, because Mueller's report, they have nothing. It is now clear Mueller has nothing. His indictments have nothing to do with Trump. Nothing. Zero. These are nonsensical process-related charges that however guilty Manafort may have been or Cohen may have been, I'm not a fan of either one of these guys. None of them relate to collusion. Mueller's report has nothing. So what they're trying to do now, and Joe, please again, if this doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense, stop me, Mm -hmm. is the media is laying the groundwork through McCabe's charges that Trump obstructed the investigation while he was at the FBI to condition the public response and get them ready and get them all to believe obstruction happened before what happens, Joe? Before Mueller issues his report either next week or the following week, according to these mm-hmm. media leaks. And it's a big, fat nothing burger. 
You see where I'm going with this, Joe? By that time, the media will have already conditioned. The lie yeah. will have traveled around the world before the truth got out. Mm -hmm. The media is already getting the public ready for a nothing burger by telling them it's not a nothing burger. Here, look at all this obstruction stuff, even though they know it's not true. I'm sorry if that was a little bit confusing, mm -hmm. but I had to lay it out in that order. Let's just re recap this because I want to move on to something else on McCabe that, that uh, I have from Fox News and Alex Pappas' story, which is very good. It's now clear the Hillary Clinton email, email investigation, senior people in the FBI thought she'd committed a crime. The case was sidelined. It was sidelined because she emailed Barack Obama, not just because she uh, shared classified information. That would make Barack Obama a witness. That would also make Barack Obama a liar because he said in a televised interview he didn't know about Hillary's email. He found out from the media. Her email had to be whitelisted into Obama's account. Somebody knew. The FBI, Comey specifically, despite the protestations of Jim Baker, his lawyer at the FBI, mm -hmm. sidelined this case, I believe, to protect not just Hillary Clinton, but importantly, to protect Obama. They move on to a collusion case generated by this fake dossier. The FBI at some point finds out the dossier was fake and that he didn't verify it. That case goes away. They have to cover it up. They push for Bob Mueller, former FBI director, to come in and rescue the reputation of the DOJ and FBI that got taken by this fake dossier, I think willingly, because they hated Trump. And they need a crime for impeachment to get Trump out of office. They can't use collusion because collusion's based on the fake dossier the FBI got taken by. So what do they do? They have to move on to an obstruction charge. An obstruction charge that doesn't exist because these players are already on the record, Comey and McCabe, showing that obstruction doesn't exist and that Trump wanted the case investigated. The media figures this out. It's conditioning the public now to get ready for obstruction, knowing the Mueller report is going to be a big nothing burger so they can continue to incentivize these Congress people to push for articles of impeachment and push these nonsensical obstruction charges when I'm telling you folks they will be humiliated in a Senate trial. All right. It's just, it's, it's staggering. It mm -hmm. really is how the Republic is collapsing around this. Justice is falling apart. All because these, these, these the liberal hacks can't get their heads out of their butts and can't understand for a minute what they're doing here. It's gross. They are decimating the Constitutional Republic. They've taken the blindfold off Lady Justice and burned it. It is really gross. You are horrible, awful people, and I hope you understand that. Police state tyrants, nothing more. All right, before I get to this McCabe story, let's uh, this final read out of the way and we can get rolling at the end, for the end of the show here. Um, Ali, 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 your dog's health is as important as every other member of the family. It starts with what you feed them. But do you know what's in your dog's food? Ali puts dog's food first with vet-formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. You know I have kind of adopted my mother-in-law's dogs, Linda and the baby boy. His name's like baby, but we call him the baby boy. His first name is the middle initial baby, last name boy. The baby boy. He's a little dog. A little, little Yorkie Maltese mix. Love that dog. They love the food. They love it. Ollie makes fresh meals for your dogs with real ingredients that people can eat. It's people quality food. And delivers them to you on a regular schedule. It beat out uh, store-bought food, uh, store food at 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. They create customi customized vet-formulated recipes made with all natural ingredients. There's no preservatives, no garbage here. And sourced from U.S. family farms. This is high-quality food. Human beings can actually eat this stuff. Go to myolli.com, answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipes for your dog and ship pre-portioned meals right to your house. 
They've delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free. And if your dog doesn't like the meals, they have a money back guarantee. Ali is offering our listeners 60% off your first box. Plus, plus a free bag of treats at myali.com slash try slash Bongino. That's myali.com slash try slash Bongino. MyAli.com slash try slash Bongino. This is the best deal they have available anywhere. MyAli.com slash try slash Bongino for 60% off plus a free, free bag of treats. There you go. Love Ali. So McCabe, who continues to step on it uh, and humiliate and embarrass himself, has, has set himself up again for a disaster. This mm-hmm. guy, I'm convinced now, is really not that bright, Joe. Um, this is a guy who moved up the ranks in the FBI and can't seem to figure out how to stop stepping on his own unit here. He's asked about his uh, in the in the book. I have not read the book. I want to be clear because the guy's a liar and I don't right. believe anything he says. So I'm reading media accounts of his book and I'm not going to patronize this guy and give him a dollar. But there's an article I have in the show notes today that are really good. Please read them by Alex Pappas, one at foxnews.com. And he talks about a piece of the book where McCabe indicates there was a moment, there was one thing that happened when he had this conversation with Mike Flynn that led him to believe Mike Flynn was guilty. So let's set some background to show you how duplicitous and what a liar uh, McCabe actually is. So just to be clear on this, McCabe is is, uh, contacts, there's some debate about who called who. Did Mike Flynn, Trump's national security advisor at the time, call McCabe or did McCabe call Flynn? There's some debate about that, but... Using McCabe's narrative, Joe, he calls Mike Flynn at around 1230, 12.30 in the afternoon to mm-hmm. set up an appointment to talk to him at the White House about his conversations with the Russian ambassador, which became the subject of this controversy, right? Okay. Perfectly legal conversations, by yep. the way. So track me here. What's interesting about that is in, in his book... McCabe indicates that right around noon, oh no, uh, excuse me, in the in the documents surrounding the case, it's indicated that at noon, the agents are already at the White House and McCabe, uh, excuse me, and Flynn makes a comment about how beautiful the sky is. So the timeline doesn't even marry up, okay? If, if McCabe called Flynn Joe at 1230 in the afternoon, but to set up an appointment for agents to go over there and talk, but then according to the investigative paperwork, the agents are already at the White House at noon, mm. a half an hour before the conversation. The timeline doesn't even marry up. But that's not what I find. It, it, the guy's a liar. So it's not, that's not, that may be just a mistake. I, I'm not willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's be clear. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, for that's not even the most interesting thing about this. Mm-hmm. What McCabe goes on to say about what set him off and what made him believe Mike Flynn was going to lie about his conversations with Russian Ambassador Kislyak is standard peak Andrew McCabe. Here we go, from the piece. He says, in my memory, I told him that the people were curious about his conversations with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. This is McCabe talking to Flynn on the phone, his his telling of the tale. So he tells Flynn, listen, we're, we're kind of concerned about your calls here with the Russian Ambassador. He says, this is what set me off, Joe. Flynn replied, well, you know what I said, because you guys were probably listening. McCabe, without confirming Flynn's suspicions, McCabe wrote, this is apparently his book, I had to wonder as events played out, if you thought we were listening, why would you lie? 
So let, let's be clear about this. Okay. Is, this is what's so bizarre about McCabe, how he cannot get out of his own way. McCabe is now admitting that Mike Flynn, Trump's national security advisor, was the former director of, uh, 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 excuse me, he was a DIA director. Defense Intelligence Agency, a guy with a deep breath and body of experience in the intelligence community, intimately aware of our government's capacity to intercept and record calls with foreign nationals. McCabe is now acknowledging this this dip, mm, McCabe, acknowledging that Flynn knows his conversations was be, were being recorded. But instead of then saying, well, that makes sense then that Flynn wouldn't lie about the contents, he uses that as evidence that McCabe, that Flynn was in fact lying. Okay. This doesn't maybe an analogy would make more sense here. If I know my calls with Joe are being monitored, yeah, right? Dude. I know by like the FBI for whatever reason they want to investigate me and Joe for felonious mopery in the umpteenth degree. Uh, I know that. Yeah. Why would I say something stupid on the call that would indict me if I knew you were listening? <sighs> but McCabe uses that as a, it's it's so bizarre. I can't believe this guy can't get out of his own way. Now, making matters worse for McCabe. <laughs> Flynn is he must think Flynn is really stupid. The agents at the scene themselves in the investigative paperwork mm-hmm. afterwards already acknowledged, according to Jim Comey and others, that they sense, Joe, no deception in Flynn at all. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. In other words, McCabe is suggesting Flynn was lying because he knew he was being listened to, which makes no sense. He's lying about the contents of his call, despite the fact that he already knows they're listening to his call. That doesn't even make sense on its face. So that's point number one. Flynn knows he's being monitored. McCabe acknowledges it. And then McCabe goes on to say that, well, because he knew he was being monitored, that's evidence he was lying about what was said in the conversation. I don't even get that. That this is peak Andy McCabe. This is how dumb this guy is. Secondly, the FBI agents who actually interviewed him said Stroke and Pianca, Peter Stroke and Joe Pianca, the two FBI agents, they sense no evidence of deception. So that doesn't comport with McCabe's story either. But third, Joe, the day before this conversation happens, January 24th of 2017 at the White House between Pianca and Stroke of the FBI and Mike Flynn, which is set up by Andy McCabe. The day before the Washington Post gets a leak which is likely from someone at the FBI. Was it McCabe? Who knows? On January 23rd, Joe, 2017, the day before, the Washington Post ran an article with this headline. FBI reviewed Mike Flynn's calls with the Russians and found nothing illicit. Folks, McCabe cannot get out of his own way. McCabe is admitted now On the record, up on the hill, there's no evidence of obstruction. He wasn't obstructed. He now admits in his book that Mike Flynn knew his conversation was being recorded. That is evidence that Flynn would not lie about the contents because he knows they have them. McCabe bizarrely turns that around and uses it as evidence that this is suspicious. He knows he's being recorded. Therefore, he's lying. The agents don't believe he's lying, Flynn. And even the leak to the Washington Post indicated there was nothing illicit about the calls. The media is not telling you the truth. They're ignoring 
all of this now. The Washington Post is ignoring their own story by failing to expose the fact that this is a conspiracy to frame Mike Flynn and frame the Trump team. The evidence is sitting right out there for anyone and everyone to clearly see. He's McCabe writes this in his book. This guy is really not bright. They knew the call was being recorded or Flynn knew the call was being recorded. So that's evidence he would lie about what was in the call. Folks, I'm serious. Does that even make sense? This is peak McCabe. This guy is a total charlatan. He's a fake. He's like, I always use this, a bad magic act at a, at a three-year-old's birthday party. Where even the three-year-olds pick out the trick. You know the rings where they put the two rings together and there's a hole yeah. in the ring. He covers with his handy pole. Even a three-year-old's like, there's a hole in that ring, Andy. This guy is not bright. He is a total knucklehead. The calls were being recorded, which is clear evidence that he would lie about what was on the recording. I guess that makes sense um, if you're a moron. I don't even think that makes sense if you're a moron. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you something. Man. I knew you were going to say that. I did. You I know, knew you were going to go. You, I do. I could almost read your you mind. Know me, even like, it's true. Like, uh, I want to get this AOC, but it's, it's there. It's, even if, like, the morons, if, if, if a moron happened to pick up the show and listen, morons are listening and being like, I don't get it, right? Don't even they get don't get it. it. No, the, the imbeciles don't even get it. They're like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make it. sense. It doesn't. I, I know my calls are being monitored with Joe, so I intentionally <laughs> lie to the FBI who's monitoring my calls, and that's evidence of guilt. This is so dumb. You have to, like, hit yourself in the head with a hammer for this to make sense. <laughs> oh, I have so much fun doing this show. Oh, boy. All right, let me get to this Ocasio-Cortez thing. Now, I always have to preface any conversation with AOC. She's got a, uh, it's like a share now. It's got a name, uh, you know, this needs to be referred to as AOC. You don't even need to use her proper name anymore. So Representative Ocasio-Cortez has become a um, uh, a real lightning rod because she continues to say things that, uh, um, and Joe, I'm trying to be a little more uh, d- delicate with this because I just, uh, <laughs> okay. I don't get this either. Some of the stuff that emanates from her lungs and and her mouth is so stupid um, that it's hard to explain to people. So Joe this morning (laughs) fired over a cut and he's like, do you believe this? He's like, we got to run with this cut. Now, I just want to say, because I get a lot of email whenever I bring her name up. They say, stop giving her the airtime. Folks, no. Um, No, it is not to upset my audience. Uh, I love you guys and ladies out there. You're you're everything. That's why I do the show. We can't ignore uh, Miss Cortez. She has substantial influence within the radical left wing of the Democrat Party. And it's when you ignore people like this that they amass power, volunteers, money and a money database and they get more power and she'll become a senator and potentially a presidential candidate. Next thing you know, we're looking at Barack Obama again. Maybe if we had exposed Obama for the far left radical he was at the time and not allowed him to portray himself as some kind of a moderate, we wouldn't be dealing with Obamacare right now. I'm sorry, but you're let's pretend she's not there and it's going to go away. I'm not trying to upset you, but I'm not going to I'm not going to tactically do what I think is tactically and politically wrong, which is ignoring her because it bothers. I'm sorry. The, well, the Miss Cortez needs to be exposed for the dangerous policy she's espousing. 
And and forgive me if you think that's the wrong approach, but it it's not. So let's play this cut. This is a cut of Representative Cortez explaining why losing Amazon in New York, 25,000 jobs, billions in tax revenue, construction jobs, satellite jobs, and a major corporate partner in the city of New York is a wonderful thing. Play that cut. I wanted to get your reaction to the Amazon decision. I think it's incredible. I mean, it shows that... Everyday Americans still have the power to organize and fight for their communities, and they can have more say in this country than the richest man in the world. What do you say to those that um, criticize them pulling out that you know the district now is going to lose 25,000 jobs that could have come there? Well, one of those things is, A, we were subsidizing those jobs. So for the, the city was paying for those jobs. So frankly, if we were willing to give Amazon three, if we were will, willing to give away $3 billion for this deal, we could invest those $3 billion in our district ourselves if we wanted to. We could hire out more teachers. We can fix our subways. We can put a lot of people to work for that money if we wanted to. Um, additionally, those jobs, there was no guarantee that those jobs were for the New Yorkers that were here. Uh, we were looking at, at a deal that was not primarily putting the community first. And I think that we can absolutely come together to create an economic plan that actually invests in New Yorkers, in higher wages, and in a dignified life. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> uh, where do we start? Where do you where do we, start? I had to take notes on it before the show. I had to watch <sighs> it a few times. Daniel. Um, to be sure, because I'll get off on, I know, I know. Me and you will get off on one of these rants. Um, which are fun, but sometimes, you know, we, we lose the substance at, and, and I don't want to get into an emotional rant about this. Um, but this is what happens when you put someone in a position of influence. You vote someone in office like Miss Cortez, um, who knows nothing, uh, nothing about econ. I, I mean, basics, even basic econ 101 stuff. I'm not talking about advanced level courses. I mean, just read a book. Um, let's go. I broke it down into two points here. She does listen. Uh, let me just be clear too. For I don't, I do not agree with tax subsidies for business. Okay, so let me just put that out there. And on that part, uh, maybe me and her can find some common ground. Um, I don't agree that businesses should be getting special carve outs in the tax code. I believe in low taxes for everyone. Okay, everybody clear? Those are my principles. So maybe on that we could agree. The problem I have with her comments about quote Amazon uh, New York City subsidizing the jobs is she doesn't even understand what that means. Amazon was not being given $3 billion by New York. Joe, the way carve-outs in the tax code, which Mm -hmm. I don't agree with, work. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with them. But she doesn't even understand the mechanics of how they work. There are multiple ways to do this. Mm -hmm. The way it can work is twofold. Well, there's actually a couple. I'll, I'll explain the two more. You can do tax increment financing where you're basically given a, a, a benefit on your corporate tax bill later based on the incremental revenues your project would generate. You can also just get straight up carve outs. Um, if, you know, Joe had a t-shirt, we haven't used Joe's t-shirt mm-hmm. company in a while, but if Joe had a t-shirt company that makes blue t-shirts and Joe's a lobbyist too, Joe has a lobbyist and he gets a carve out that says, hey, listen, people who make blue t-shirts don't have to pay taxes for five years. That would be a subsidy mm-hmm. and a tax carve out. But let's be crystal clear, folks. At no point is anybody being given anything. 
The company is simply not giving over their money to the government, whereas other companies would have. You get where I'm going with this, Joe? Company, blue t-shirt company A, or in this case, Amazon in New York, gets a special break on its taxes Mm -hmm. that other people don't get. I don't agree with those. But nobody is giving Amazon anything. New York City was not giving them $3 billion. Now, she continues to parrot this talking point. We could have taken that $3 billion we're giving them and created all of these other jobs. Nobody is giving them anything. Miss Cortez is lying to you. Or, and I'm being nice here, trying to take the edge off this, she just doesn't understand it. Do you understand how there's no third option here? (laughs) Option A is she doesn't understand how tax subsidies, and they are bad, work. Nobody was giving Amazon $3 billion. (laughs) There is no line item in the New York City budget that says, cash, $3 billion to Amazon. That is not what happened. So she either doesn't understand how they work, or secondly, she does, and she is just simply morally and ethically bankrupt and is lying to you to cover her butt, knowing that she was a key player in the loss of a substantial economic benefit to the city of New York. There is no third option. She either doesn't know or she is a liar. Secondly, she brings up the point that there was no guarantee that these jobs were for New Yorkers. What kind of a ridiculous, absurd talking point is that? Amazon is, listen, I'm not an Amazon acolyte. I'm I'm a Prime member. I buy stuff from Amazon. But I have no you know, loyalty to Bezos and Amazon at all. But you're, you're subjecting Amazon to some restriction you wouldn't subject any other company to. So let's be clear. If Amazon Joe hires, what, 80% New Yorkers mm. and 20% of the people are applicants that come from out of state mm-hmm. who move to New York, oh. that that somehow is not a benefit to New York. Do you understand how dumb this talking point is? So let's just say, let's using Ocasio-Cortezonomics, which it makes no sense at all. It's like a kindergartner's level of understanding. Amazon's probably going to be paying a lot of those employees in this headquarters six figures, if not more. If some of them come from states like Wyoming and Texas and move into New York with their disposable income, then paying New York City income taxes, New York State income taxes, this is somehow a loss Because, say, 20 or 30% of the hires weren't, what, native-born New Yorkers? Folks, I'm I'm asking you seriously to explain to me how this makes sense. I don't even need a complicated Econ 700-level explanation. I just need a common-sense one. How the transplanting of income into New York City from other states with high-tech workers is somehow a loss for New York City. This makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I, I had two points. Let me just add one, a, th- a third point in here. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Folks, I don't agree with tax subsidies for the fifth time now, maybe sixth. But having said that, New York City was not going to lose out on this. Listen, it was not going to be uh, the, the tax bonanza that New York City may have painted it out to be. Oh, we're going to get this. But we're not going to lose. 
even given the subsidies, Joe, the employees at Amazon are still going to pay New York City income taxes, which are very high. They are still going to buy things in New York, food, wine, clothing, furniture, computers. And what is going to happen, Joe, in those stores in New York? They are going to pay sales taxes to the city of New York and to the state. They are still going to pay state income taxes. They were going to spend money in New York all over the place. They would tweet about New York. They tweet about shows they saw. Do you understand the positive externalities bringing a massive company like Amazon into New York City would have brought along with it? Now, I know you do. But one of the most powerful Democrats in the world right now, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, has absolutely no idea. This is a person with immense power who is either largely ignorant about the most important issues of her time that are affecting people left and right every day, or she is a manipulative liar who is leading you off a cliff. And folks, make no mistake, Ms. Cortez can celebrate the loss of these jobs and this revenue all she wants, but people in New York City are not stupid. I have received a number of texts and emails from friends. I'm not making this up. It's not hyperbolic for effect. Who are not Republicans. A lot of them are union people. A lot of them are laborers. Some of them are in the real estate business. Who are livid and furious that Miss Cortez has not only shuttled these jobs, that she's actually celebrating a dramatic loss in income for a lot of these people. This is going to be the destruction of the Democrat Party in the long run. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please go to the show notes today. And if you wouldn't mind, subscribe to my email list. If you go to Bongino.com, you click the uh, you click, excuse me, the menu, the drop down menu. It'll say subscribe and we'll email you these articles every day. I try to pick the best ones. I usually limit it between five and seven. But I promise you, if you read them, you'll be uh, very well informed. I, I, I try to get you the best of the best out there. So go check that out, and please subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud or iHeart. It is free to do that, to subscribe, to subscribe, and the subscriptions drive us up the charts. I really appreciate it, folks. Thanks a lot. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud, and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.